From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hi, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. This week, our panel discussion shines the spotlight on an initiative that involves grassroots organizations, clergy members, and the city's district attorney's office collaborating to end the gun violence. We'll check in with the 57 Blocks Initiative. If we have love in our hearts, we can extend that same love to our fellow men. This is a day that we can come out and we can teach the community. Charity Howard's newsmaker is Sharif Street, the Democratic State Representative of the 3rd Senatorial District Office. It's touched uh, members of my family and a good chunk of my office family. We actually come bullet, bullets fly through the window of one of our offices. So many of, I represent parts of North Philadelphia, uh, Nice Town, Omni, um, Germantown, all of areas which were been pretty hard hit by gun violence, and we wanted to make sure people knew we're fighting to do what we can to make it safer. You can call Antoinette Lee's Philly Rising Changemaker a regular guy who just wants to see clean neighborhoods. We'll hear more about Hakeem DeVore and the Inner City Peace Organization. I'm walking home to the playground and just seeing the blight and the trash and stuff like that. I just said, no, men not supposed to just walk by stuff like that, so I just started cleaning up. All that is on the way. Unbridging Philly. This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. Hello, I'm Raquel Williams, and thanks for sitting in with us on Bridging Philly. Today, we're celebrating the life and legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. All around Philadelphia, many organizations and individuals are engaging in days of service, and that's when we give of ourselves and try to make our communities a little brighter. Our guests joining us today are committed to doing just that. You may have heard of the 57 Blocks Initiative. This was born out of data that was put together by the Philadelphia Inquirer. It was based on police reporting that there are 57 blocks in Philadelphia where 10 or more people have actually been shot. This is between 2015 and 2021. Now, the Philadelphia District Attorney's Office and Community Partners then launched the 57 Blocks Project, and it has since grown. Several clergy members and grassroots organizations in the city have taken up this cause as a collective, and we will definitely get into that with our guests. Joining me today is Reverend Jeanette Davis, founder and executive director of Divas Ministry Group, and she's also founder of Fresh Fire Anointed Ministries based in Northeast Philadelphia. Also with us is Dr. Oren Gurr, Director of Research and Policy Advisor and Director of the District Attorney's Transparency Analytics Lab, also known as Data Lab. Welcome, both of you. Good morning Thank and welcome. So Thank you, Raquel. Now, I know that on this MLK Day of Service, you'll be talking with the community and holding a rally, talking about the 57 Blocks Initiative, because, of course, as we said before, you're trying to brighten the communities and educate the community and minister to them uh, about the gun violence in their areas. First off, let's talk about why clergy and the community members and groups have decided to get behind this movement called 57 Blocks. So... Clergy, in particular, has decided to get behind the group, the initiative, because of the level of hopelessness and despair that uh, the communities are experiencing. So we thought that we would come from behind the walls of the church and actually start to engage in the community, get involved, get the community engaged, and educate the community 
about the 57 Block Initiative. It's been a very long time, decades, and we need for God's people to be aware of what's going on and how they can, they don't have to stay complacent where they are, that they have the right to live and to thrive with education, with resources, with investments, and with collaborations. Absolutely. You know what? Why don't we zoom in a little closer and look at these 57 blocks? And perhaps, Dr. Guru, you can discuss this. What are some of the common denominators here in these 57 blocks? So 53 of the 57 blocks are in areas of the city that were redlined in the 1930s. So in terms of common denominators, that translates to 93% of the 57 blocks are in areas that were redlined in the 1930s. So in terms of common denominators, uh, for me, that jumps out. You also see that with shootings and the level of violence that is experienced in some of these areas, other common features are trauma. The idea that People and young people in particular who have lived on the 57 blocks during this time period, 2015 to 2021, have experienced uh, a great deal of trauma and, uh, you know, police response, criminal legal system responses in their communities. And still, these are areas that continue to experience high levels of violence. So that kind of raises the question of how do we come about with something holistic that is able to address some of the underlying uh, causes, the root causes that are causing uh, shootings in these areas. Dr. Gert, if you could, for listeners who may not know, can you just quickly go over exactly what redlining is, especially modern day redlining today? Yeah, so redlining was uh, a program from the federal government, supported by the federal government, where essentially they decided by drawing lines on a map, uh, which communities uh, merited further investment and support for uh, mortgages, and which communities did not. And this was done intentionally in a way that uh, supported structural racism that we are still dealing with today. And what that means is that communities, families were not able to generate and accrue generational wealth, right? If you can't get a mortgage, that means you can't fix your home. If you can't get a mortgage, that means you can't uh, try to start that business idea that you have or send uh, your kid to college potentially, right? So really, you know, redlining is literally red lines on a map. That's why it's called that. And the areas that were red were areas where people uh, were deemed undesirable and hazardous. Uh, And those are the terms that were used then. Those aren't my terms. And that prevented people in those areas from getting loans. Understandable. You know, Dr. Davis, you know, with redlining, higher poverty rates, higher rates of vacant housing, it all sounds like a recipe for violent crime. It definitely is a recipe for violent crime. The environment in which um, those residents live in, it's not conducive. Uh, Like when we talk about the lighting that's in, well, the lighting that doesn't exist in these particular communities. Uh, The blight, the disrepair, these disinvestments in these communities, it has increased the level of violence. So it's something that needs to be addressed by um, refocusing 
and revising these 57 blocks to make sure that they're invested in not only into the community, but into people. We need to start to make investments into people, meaning we need to start to educate people and teach them if they don't know. That, that's what advocacy is all about. It's about going in and taking your neighbor, and if they don't have the skill level, teaching them how to exist. Back in the, I think it was the 90s, if you recall the welfare to work program, where women would have to go to work and go to school in order to receive benefits from the welfare system, but that was an investment that was being made into the person so that they would be able to one day come out and take care of themselves to elevate themselves in their families and to get off of the system. So the analogy is almost the same. If we invest into people and into communities and we teach them, one day they can be accountable for their own community because we're advocating for them, but we don't live in those communities. So we have to teach them how to invest in their communities once they receive the resources. And that's a process. That's not something that's going to happen overnight. Right. In case you're just joining us, you are listening to Bridging Philly, and we are joined by Reverend Jeanette Davis and Dr. Oren Gurr. We are talking about the 57 Blocks initiative in Philadelphia that is uh, looking to quell the gun violence. Let me just ask you, while we're talking about this, in what ways can you see this initiative actually reducing gun violence on these 57 Blocks? I think the idea is to concentrate resources, services, education, environmental improvements, and support in the places that need them the most. And I think by having this non-law enforcement place-based strategy that acknowledges that gun violence is a public health emergency, that sees gun violence as a racial justice crisis, that is community-led and has people like Reverend Davis Uh, and other community members leading the charge. I think that's kind of a good recipe to have a broad uh, coalition and impact, right? You've seen strategies like this. uh, It's often referred to as the Boston miracle uh, or the coalition that came together in Boston uh, in the 90s to reduce gun violence. And these are the kinds of broad uh, coalitions, I'll keep saying the word, that need to come together and government and as a government person uh, needs to come alongside community and to rev davis's point we got to get out of our government offices uh academics need to get out of their ivory towers and we all need to kind of come together and be in the communities and support communities and help channel as many resources as we can to the places and people who have uh, suffered the most from gun violence in philadelphia And Reverend Davis, talk a little bit about, you know, on this MLK Day of Service, why you're choosing this day in particular to hold this rally and to inform the public of the initiative and what's happening within their communities. So our organization participates in MLK Day um, every year, pre-COVID. And this year, their theme, I believe, is about gun violence prevention. So we thought that it would be a great opportunity for us to take to educate the community. Um, uh, It's going to be a very large event, and hopefully we can garner a lot of community members to come in. And, you know, they 
they just want to know what's going on every time I'm there at Gerard College. Mm -hmm. So we are hoping that this opportunity, we can educate the community. We can also garner them to come out and support, to be a part of this ongoing, you know? So mm -hmm. we're looking to promote, we're looking to create awareness and we're looking to educate. And we're also, there's a part that's looking to help heal heal those who've been impacted by gun violence, to let them know that they aren't alone, that they have someone who, a group of people, group organizations, grassroots organizations are so important. They're like the heartbeat of a community. Right. So we, we want them to know that we are there advocating with them. We're going to go through this with them and that they aren't alone. So they can have a greater understanding. You know, if people don't know then someone has to take the lead and tell them and try to teach them, right. you know, and mm -hmm. once they get the information and the resources that they need, when you, when you know better, you do better. Exactly. You know, in our final minutes, I'd love to hear from both of you um, how we can apply some of the teachings and the tenets of Dr. King to the movement going on now with the 57 Blocks Initiative. I mean, this is all about the spirit of Dr. Martin Luther King and the day of service and giving of oneself and educating and ministering. Uh, what are some of the, the teachings that we can apply here this weekend? So I would say some of the teachings that I would apply um, have to do with ministering and love. Uh, because without love, love should be and is an action word. And if we have love in our hearts, we can extend that same love to our fellow man. And that's what I think Dr. King's Day is a day of service, which we do it all year long. But for those who don't do it, you know, on a consistent basis, this is a day, like I said again, at the risk of being repetitive, that we can come out and we can teach the community. So that's giving of ourselves right there. Right. And that will in turn, in the long term, it will create change. The same change that Dr. Martin Luther King made in his service to his community, you know, in uncomfortable times, in comfortable times, but he just kept on striving because God had given him a vision and he had to fulfill his assignment. So that's what I think that if we go with our hearts and extend that love to our fellow man, that that's a part of MLK Day of Service. Excellent. Great. Dr. Gurr? I really think about Dr. King in terms of uh, walking with community and being in community and just the images of him uh, in many places, arm in arm uh, with community. And I think that is what this is about. It's about being able to identify uh, the blocks, the communities that need the most support, and then making that known so that as many people as can muster the ability, the time, the energy, the resources to support those communities can do so. And I think, you know, joining the 57 Blocks Coalition, reaching out, 57blocksphilly at gmail.com, uh, getting on the list so that you can stay up to date with uh, what we're trying to do. And uh, joining us on Monday at the rally to learn more uh, would be, you know, important next steps that would allow us to continue to come together in community.
All right. And that rally, of course, is on Monday and it is at Gerard College Elementary School in Philadelphia. It's a day of service rally for justice and peace, all to end the gun violence. Before you go, I just want to make sure that I acknowledge um, the organizer, Reverend Gregory Holston, who is the um, senior advisor who diligently worked on this project, this initiative. So I want to make sure that he's acknowledged in his part in initiating and organizing us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, uh, Reverend Davis and Dr. Gurr on the uh, Day of Service Rally for Justice and Peace, Ending the Gun Violence at Girard College Elementary School in Philadelphia on Monday. Much success, continued success with this initiative. Thank you so much for having us. We appreciate. God bless you. Take care. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. Back to Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. Welcome back to Bridging Philly. Shara Day Howard sits with Senator Sharif Street, our newsmaker of the week. Our newsmaker this week is Democrat Pennsylvania State Representative Sharif Street of the 3rd Senatorial District Office. His work at the local and state levels to create balance within the legislature is part of a larger effort by Democrats who say lawmakers must prioritize women's reproductive rights, anti-gun violence, and more equitable representation for people of color. Welcome, Senator Sharif Street. So we're going to jump right into it. Now there's more Black, Latino, and Asian American lawmakers than ever. And you and your colleagues had a very large hand in that. Please tell me. Well, look, uh, as you know, I'm uh, chairman of the Pennsylvania Democratic Party. And so we worked real hard. We identified uh, a number of battleground seats. Um, I wanted to make sure um, that we we, effect, we fielded good candidates. We raised money. We knocked the doors. And we had messaging that resonated with regular Pennsylvanians. And in some of those cases, we had to get the more rural voters and more moderate voters. In other places, we had to energize progressive and urban voters. Uh, but we had the right combination, the right mix of candidates, and were able to win those seats. Now, locally, in Philly, you did a lot of work as well. Considering that your office is in the heart of North Philly and you live in the hood, tell me what part did all of that play and how and where you decided to pinpoint your focus Look, in Philly, um, we needed to make sure that we had um, folks from so many different backgrounds. I mean, Philly's a city of 1.6 million people. So you had some people that were really concerned about choice, and we needed to emphasize the fact that if you got – if we didn't take control of the legislature and you continue to have – and you were to uh, get a Republican governor, we could lose – women could lose choice rights right off the bat. Um, we also wanted to make sure that things like education. The last time we had a Republican governor with a Republican general assembly at the same time, they cut a billion dollars out of education. Them at 34 schools in Philadelphia were, sc- were slated to close. Um, and we talked about things like um, uh, the, all the work the governor and, and I worked on um, around crime prevention dollars and, and the fact that Democrats have stepped up to make sure that we, uh, uh, our governor and the Democratic majority had put uh, Democrats and the legislature pushed for crime prevention dollars. So we got, we were able to get some concessions from Republicans to get that done. But it's important uh, that people knew we were fighting to keep people safe as well. Yeah. I mean, of course, the rise in gun violence is a major focus here in Philly. And you really took on that mantle. Absolutely. Um, uh, helped create the Crime Prevention Caucus and have been uh, fighting. I mean, look, it's, it's touched uh, members of my family and members of uh, a good chunk of my office family. We actually come bullet bullets fly through the window of one of our offices. Um, so it was it was personal for us, but so many of, I represent parts of North Philadelphia, uh, Nicetown, Omni, um, Germantown, all of areas which were 
been pretty hard hit by gun violence. And we wanted to make sure people knew we we're fighting to do what we can to make it safer. Yeah. So let's talk about reform, the possibility of reform, the impossibility of reform, but what it really looks like down the line. So I think that we're going to get some reforms. I think we're going to continue to, to advance how we fund education, get some reform in that area. I think that we're going to get some, some significant reforms in, um, in criminal justice. I think there will be things that can get done there. And what about those rumblings about rules reform? Reform is a hot-button issue. What's really possible right now in terms of reforms? Look, I know there's been a lot of talk about rule, rules reform. I don't think that's going to happen in the Senate. Um, we don't have a Democrat. We, while we're closer, we don't have a Senate majority, and I don't think we're going to have dramatic rules reform in the Senate. You said education, crime prevention, and some other really important hot-ticket items. From your perspective, what can we accomplish here in terms of reform? We can accomplish more funding for education, particularly higher education. We can accomplish continuing to reform the criminal justice system. Um, And we can accomplish um, uh, programs to fund crime prevention programs as well. Thank you so much for being here, Senator Street. Bridging Philly continues in a moment. More than 100,000 people in the U.S. are waiting for a life-saving organ transplant. More than 5,000 from this area alone. Show you support them. Register as an organ donor at DonorsOne.org and help save lives. Back to Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. The Philly Rising Changemaker is sponsored by Penn Medicine Heart and Vascular Center, performing the most advanced heart procedures in the region. Hey, y'all. KYW's Antoinette Lee here with this week's Philly Rising Changemaker. Now, I'm really excited about this one because this changemaker is truly the essence of what Philly Rising is all about. I started this segment, I think it was now four years ago at this point, and the intention was to highlight everyday people, your average person, doing something to make a difference in their community. That's exactly what our change maker for this week is about. I told someone, I don't have any resolutions for this year. I'm doing the best I can with what I got. And let me tell you, Hakeem DeVore is doing what he can with what he has. Here's more. Hakeem DeVore is your everyday guy. He's the father of a six-year-old, a business owner, South Philly born and raised, and a concerned community member. I lost three family members on Thanksgiving week. They always killed Monday. Friday, and then an older older person in my family got ran over by, got hit by a car. So just losing people like like constantly, and knowing these kids ain't got no parents. Ten years from now, I don't want them out here shooting. So I, this is something that I feel like I have to do. When Hakeem noticed a problem in his community, he decided to use what he knows and is passionate about to make a difference. I'm walking home to the playground and just. Seeing the blight and the trash and stuff like that, I just said, no, men not supposed to just walk by stuff like that. So I just started cleaning up. In 2018, he started his own landscaping and construction company. Around that same time is when he started what he calls the Inner City Peace Organization. It's a self-funded project where he uses his own tools and resources to clean up and beautify different parks, vacant lots, alleys, and public spaces around the city. A lot of stuff just takes like some time and love and effort and you could change and beautify the community. He also invests time and effort into the youth by teaching them about the trade he's become an expert at over the past decade, landscaping, the environment and the great outdoors. 
when you give these kids outlets and stuff, they they want to do stuff. They don't actually want to be outside doing what they doing, but we don't have nothing for them to do. So that's why we're trying to create program after program. The Inner City Peace Organization has expanded over the years to meet a number of needs. They host a food pantry downtown on Tuesdays and Thursdays. They host a carpentry program for the youth, a gun violence prevention youth summer sports league, and a number of other initiatives aimed to help slow climate change and biodiversity loss. While the efforts are very grassroots and oftentimes solo-led, Hakeem says he keeps it going because it's personal for him. Growing up, just watching my friends die at a young age. is I'm 32 now, so I got a lot of friends that died 17 years ago, you should say, starting at 15, 14, just going to different funerals and just growing up watching those babies come outside and, and watch them hurt each other. To just, that don't sit right with my heart. So the inner city peace is really what we push for real. The Inner City Peace Organization updates information about their upcoming cleanups on their Instagram page. All are invited to join. So I just really want people to understand that they're not alone. We fighting every day for these issues that we're going through. If you're interested in participating in a cleanup or following along with Hakeem's efforts, the Instagram page is Inner City Peace Org. That's it for this week's Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week. If you know someone we should highlight next, please reach out. There are several ways to reach us. You can call the station or shoot me an email or tweet nominating our next Philly Rising Changemaker. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us for Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly and with me at Raquel on Air. And of course, please subscribe to the podcast. For Antoinette Lee, Sharaday Howard, and Bridging Philly's fabulous new producer, Patty McMahon, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well. <laughs>